Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Houston Round Ball Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show, Chris Gardner. And what young man is joining right on time, man. Real quickly, uh, on the screen there is Andy Inez. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? Doing well. And who and who are you with, Andy? Uh Gallery Sports. Um, I get I got to cover the Astros for the first time um, yesterday for Sports Map Houston. That's exciting. And uh, Pot Slam and Jam on Twitter. Let's Reach Coogs on YouTube. Uh, way too many stuff to list out. And next on the screen is James Mueller. How are you, sir? He's, he's battling injury. He's toughing it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. Pretty good. And well, he, he, he just got up. I don't want to. He's ready. And he's even got on the shirt that we're going to talk about, too. <laughs> so, uh, Keanu, if you're ready, give, you, give me a thumbs up. All right. We're going to bring him in. So, Keanu Dawes, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? Doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. And joining us is Keanu Dawes from Stratford High School, a Guy V. Lewis Award finalist from 2022, top 10 finalists, to be specific. And I think it's going to be a a finals again for 2023. I'm on the committee. I kind of have inside track on that kind of stuff. But anyway, we're here to talk about his recent announcement that he is going to commit or is going to play for the Rice Isles men's basketball program and head coach Scott Perra. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's get it right into that. What was the decision? Well, at first, let's back a little bit. How many visits did you take? And who were those schools that you visited also? And then what led you finally to choosing Rice? Okay. So I took all five of my official visits. First was Rice. Then it was um, Rice and Oklahoma State. Then Texas A&M. Then BYU. Then Utah. And then uh, I feel like just at the end of the day, I feel like there was really a coaching staff that was more excited about me than the uh, the Rice coaching staff. And like uh, just having the energy around you all the time is really it's like a very important thing because you got to go somewhere where where you people believe in you, mm-hmm. believe in me, and they can really help where I want to go. And and let me ask you, Keanu. I mean, I'm sure you you're a smart young man from the time I met you at at last year's Gavi Lewis Award reception. Uh-huh. Did the success of Trey Murphy the third in the NBA influence you to your decision to Rice? Definitely, because, I mean, even though he did transfer his last year to uh, Virginia, I still feel like the first two years of which uh, Coach Perry and the rest of the staff kind of developed him, I feel like that was kind of a, a key piece for me, seeing how they can develop me, you know, to get to where I want to be. And hopefully, or my goal is to not transfer from Rice, it's to right. stay there. But just seeing how, how well he got how much better he got from his freshman year to sophomore year, I think, was whenever he left. You just see a big difference in, like, physicality and shooting, just an all-over skill. How tall are you? 6'8". Are you still growing? Yes, sir, I am. Describe your skill set for folks who have not seen you play. I'm a very versatile player. I think I can, you know, play one through four and starting to guard one through four. I feel like uh, my passing and ball handling for my size and I feel like my shooting is like the main thing, but passing by handling at my size is kind of what separates me from others. And then just my on the core IQ, you know, make different reads, make different plays, and not a lot of people my size can do. Do you play uh, summer ball? 
Yes, sir. Uh, this summer, I played with Texas Takeover. And who coaches Texas Takeover? Uh, Coach Jeremy Peters. So I was my trainer. So, like, he kind of – we kind of had a plan to just, like, uh, develop this year. Because, obviously, I could have gone and played for, like, a UYBO team or just a shoe circuit team in general. But I decided to play for, like, a, a local team. And then – because I just felt like I was able to develop more. And I feel like everything kind of happened the way it was supposed to happen. So I just got, you know, better, got more confidence over the summer. And I think if I didn't play with them, then it wouldn't have been the same as it is right now. Now, you mentioned your, your five official visits. Do you have a, an exact number of scholarship offers you, that you received? I want to say it's either 18 or 19. 18 or 19. Okay. Impressive. Do you – were people surprised that you picked Rice? Yes, very, because, uh, you know, whenever I put them in the top six, people, people didn't really – like. Uh, Take them serious in a way. And it's obviously whenever I was committed there, people were kind of shocked because, you know, if you're just looking based off of, like, conference and, like, overall team, obviously they're kind of like the outlier there. But whenever you, like, kind of break break it down in depth and, you know, like, with my goals, their goals kind of align up as well. They're going into the AAC, which is a better conference, so they kind of need another player to, like, come in right away and just impact the game. And I feel like, me coming in freshman year, the same year that they're going, I feel like it just like connects really well. And I'm going to bring in our, our last but not least colleague, Willie Gibson from Ohio, to join us, Andy and James, to see if they have questions for you, Mr. Keanu Dawes. And I'm going to type in your Twitter account so folks can see how, how they can find you on Twitter. Yes, sir. Willie Gibson, how are you, sir? Good, sir. How are you? Doing well. Talks to Andy, James, or Will. Do y'all have any questions for Keanu Dawes? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, Keanu, first, congratulations on making your commitment. Obviously, I'm sure you're, you're excited about your next big step. But, you know, just looking at, at kind of preparing for the show, I, I saw that Rice, they were like one of the first schools. Um, They weren't the first school, but they were among the first that reached out to you and kind of gave you an offer. Um, uh-huh. And just hearing you talk about how really they, they made you feel, one, that, that they wanted you on their team and just like that connection, how important it was. Uh, can you just talk about how – um, just the beginning, it was like whenever you first started to have those conversations with Rice, um, I'm sure, like, what was that process like when they first reached out to you and just really kind of uh, the the building blocks of those connections? Uh-huh. So they were the, the second school to, like, officially offer, but Coach Para, like, the head coach was the first coach out of any of them to like, reach out. But I feel like ever since then, even when I wasn't at my best, like, compared to where I am now, like, he was still seeing me as, like, a NBA player that I could develop into. And so then I slowly started getting better and started getting more high major offers. And, like, you know, there's some there's some lower schools that if you start to get high major offers, then they're kind of, like, shy away because you don't think that they'll, that they'll take the low major, mid-major over a high major. Like, Coach Fair and the rest of the staff just still believe that they could get me and then just work because how much they believed in me and themselves for continue to recruit me. Will, James, I got questions for Keanu. Yeah, I, I do. Um, Keanu. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, James. Go ahead. Okay. Um, first off, again, congrats on your commitment. Just being able to, you know, stay in the city of Houston, how important is that? was that to you um, and to be able to, you know, represent the city overall? I feel like it was a, a very cool opportunity and a very big deal because I could still, you know, work out with my trainer and, like, develop that way and then aspect outside of the court, which I feel like is, like, a super big deal because I still get to you know, see my mom whenever I need to. 
you know, if there's like an emergency or anything, it's not like I'm, you know, maybe hours away. If there's like emergency, I'm just right there, like 20 minutes away. So just having the same like circle that I have right now going into college, I feel like that was a pretty big deal. Will? Um, Keanu, uh, congratulations uh, as well on the uh, commitment and the opportunity to uh, continue at the next level. Um, what do you think or, or what would you say you would need to improve on uh, between now and, and stepping on campus at Rice? I feel like a uh, general aspect is defense because I feel like uh, – I mean, I've already taken tremendous strides from the end of the summer to where I am now. You know, I could actually – like I'm a pretty good defender right now, but I feel like you know it's obviously way different going from guarding good high school players to you know college basketball players. Like uh, just having that motor on all the time, not really just like you know picking plays wherever I want to play. Just like just having the motor on all the time, and then just being more physical because you know, like I said earlier, it's a completely different game from high school to college. Keanu, how has your or has your body changed from freshman year to now heading into your senior year at Stratford? Yeah, so my freshman year, I was actually 6'2". And then uh, COVID hit. I came back. I was like 6'6". Last year, 6'7". And then now 6'8". I started my senior year. I feel like me, because I used to play point guard before I hit my growth spurt. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where my like my guard skills come into play. Since I still I still have them. That's like still the stuff I work on. Like it's not not because I grew, I just started working on post moves. I just. How much do you weigh now? About 205. What'd you weigh as a freshman? Oh, man. One, <laughs> one, um, I don't know. <laughs> freshman. Um, does Rice's catchphrase, slogan, theme, green light you appeal to you? Yeah, most definitely. I like the way they play, you know, green light you just, you know, you always have the green light to shoot. And I feel like uh, me being a good shooter myself and then everyone on their team can shoot. One or two big men, but everyone on their team can shoot. So that's that's great for me because it gives me spacing to drive. And if something helps up, I pass it to the shooter, you know, get my assist. But at the same time, just knowing that you're free to just shoot the ball, obviously, you know, you can't just do jack shots, but having a coach who gives all his players confidence to just be able to shoot the ball is, is pretty big. Was I'm, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure how Rice th- handles it. Was there a, a specific coach who was like the lead recruiter for you, or was it Coach Perra directly? Who, who was in charge of your recruiting you? Um, coach Howe was like the main one in charge, but I feel like, I feel like uh, especially after I put out my top six, I was hearing from Coach Perra more than – anyone else and for those who have not met coach para how would you describe him a very energetic guy he like cares about everyone especially his players you could tell just the, how much confidence he instills in them and just you know, he's just a good person to be around it you know, makes everyone happy uh, uh will andy james keanu name some of the other schools who gave you uh scholarship offers uh, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Utah, BYU, uh, University of Texas Tech, Tennessee, Kansas State, and just a couple other. Okay, so we're, we're talking some Big Big 12 schools, Big 12. SC schools. Yeah. And 
Pac-12 schools. Pac-12. And I, okay, for folks who are not sure of me and they'd say, you know, I'm all loyal to the University of Houston, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I am big on the local schools doing well. I want everybody to eat. I want everybody to shine. So when Rice, when you committed to Rice, I was thrilled to death <laughs> because of those schools that Rice beat for you mm. because I know how talented you are. Sure. So let me ask you this. Did you talk to the other schools to let them know that you had picked Rice? Uh, I didn't really tell them that I picked Rice. There was one school that I told because they asked. Like, they, they asked and I told them. But otherwise, I just told them, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, but I think I'm going to go a separate way, that type of stuff. There was one school that I told, and, like, you could kind of tell he sounded surprised whenever I told him. But. And I think, and Andy, you can relate to this, I think, Keanu, did you announce on Instagram? Yes, I was on Instagram Live. Andy, see, there you go. <laughs> it's a <the> younger generation. <laughs> so that's something I just... I just don't do, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get more into the gram, but I'm glad and I appreciate you taking time to talk to us on Folks Talk of Sports this evening. Um, we're going to announce, we as in the Gavi Lewis Award Committee, will announce the top 50 watch list in a few weeks, aiming to at the end of November, December 1st, thereabouts, on um, GaviLewisAward.org, top 50, and then we'll pair down to 25 in January or so. And then top 10 finalists in March, and they'll be invited to our award reception. And I think Keanu has a good chance of being in that top 10 finalists again, I'm just saying. So, and if he does, he would join Jalen Lowe as probably less than five or six who've been repeat finalists mm -hmm. in the 12 years of the award. So if you do that, you're in great company for that. Okay. So I want to commend you uh, once again, your decision. Thank I'm you. glad you chose a local school because I get to cover you in your college career. Yes, but sir. Andy, James, Will, do I have any final questions for Keanu? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave them off with a with an easy question. But right now, who's your favorite uh, NBA player? Who's your favorite team to watch at the next level? Uh, my favorite team to watch is probably uh, probably the Nets. And my favorite player is Kevin. Mm -hmm. you know, he's just yeah. do a little bit of everything. So I try and learn a lot from him whenever I watch him play. James, how about you? Oh, questions? Yeah. I was just going to ask. He basically answered it. I was going to ask if there was someone in the NBA he modeled his game after, um, but he said KD. How about you, Will? No, that was it. I, I was interested in the other schools that had offered as well, so he, he covered that as well. All right, Keanu, thank you very much once again for taking time out of your busy schedule. So, to, oh, how good – Will Stratford be this season? I think we'll be very good. I think we'll surprise a lot of people. Uh, so far in preseason, I know it's just like we six fall league games and we went we went six and zero. Oh. Then we played two bite uh, things yesterday, like preseason games, and we won both of those games. So I feel like I feel like we'll be pretty good and surprise a lot of people this year. Outstanding. All right, you keep in touch and throughout the season. And once again, thank you very much to Keanu Dawes for joining us this evening on Folk Talk of Sports to discuss his college choice to attend Rice University and play for the Rice Owls men's basketball program and head coach, Scott Perra. Kind of take, thank you on game, my man. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. All right.
Thank you very much for that. Guys, I wasn't sure if he joined us at the top of the show or when he'd pop on, but he did. He kept his word, so I'm glad of that. Another branch growing for folks talking sports. We're getting into more of high school kids announcing their commitments to for college. That makes two. We want to keep it, keep it growing. Uh, it doesn't have to be basketball. You know, it could be other sports, too. So uh, no problem there. Willie Gibson. Yes, sir. How cold is it there? Uh, I'm actually north still. I'm, I'm right in Akron, Ohio. Just a kid from Akron, as mm-hmm. uh, LeBron James says, and I truly am. So I'm in Akron right now, and in Akron it is 59 degrees. So the front has not blown, moved through yet? No, not yet. Okay. All right. Not yet. Whenever the front passes earlier in the uh, in Houston later in the week, 50 is going to be the cold for the front here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be in Kansas City on Tuesday and Wednesday, and it's supposed to be 23 degrees Tuesday, Tuesday night. <laughs> so, jeez. Yeah, that's cold wow. for for Southerners like me. Well, that's balmy to you, oh, of course. Northern folks, but yeah. I got a question. <laughs> we got a question from John O'Neill. Ask all you guys, and relates to one of your former Cal players you covered, Will. Kevin Porter okay. Jr. Do you think that the Rockets are going to extend KPJ before the start of the season? Um, I would lean on your your expertise being in the city, but if it were me, if I had to guess, I would say no. I don't see the reason to. Andy James, I agree with Will. I would um, I would lean towards no if I were um, in the position of Raphael Stone, kind of let it play out and, and kind of make it a prove it year. James? Yeah, they're not going to extend him, uh, at least before the season starts. If he, you know, proves something goes out, go, comes out on a tear, maybe you see that. But um, he, they, he's got to show it on the court um, first. I'll make a four for four. I don't see it. I think um, – and I'll go same logic, same result. But I think Scoot is going to bet on himself. I think he's going to have a great season. And then come summertime, he and his reps will go back to the Rockets and say, see, I put up 18, 7, and 7. Pay me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and if that happens, it will cost the Rockets more money than now. So it's a chance that both sides are taking. But if it works out, it could benefit both of them. Because if Kevin Porter Jr. has a great season, that would help the Rockets. And then it would help himself get paid more money. So it could be a win-win situation for him. Rockets could control costs right now, but controlling the costs, I think, would push KPJ to say, no, the money you're off right now, I think I'm worth more. So we'll wait till the summertime. That's where I think that's going to go. So Willie Gibson. Yes, sir. We're going to talk Houston Cougars men's basketball scrimmage. I know you're going to love this. Okay. Red and white scrimmage yesterday. And the scores are relevant, but they gave hand out box scores, stats. It's great. Um, Andy, you were there. James under weather wasn't able to attend. But Andy, what were your thoughts on what you saw yesterday at the scrimmage? Uh, I think overall it was a great exhibition to be able to show off or showcase the new um, 
the new faces to the program and, and really being able to see, I think, the, the player that probably, I wouldn't say stole the show, but probably had the the strongest case or probably had the uh, the strongest performance was Tremont Mark and just being able to see him. Uh, he looked much more comfortable, especially offensively. Um, he was able to score a couple of times. Um, he had a really good move, it, kind of a James Harden-esque move where he was driving, I believe, to his left, and then he did like a turnaround spin step back, and he hit the, the mid-range jumper. So that's that's probably the biggest takeaway I had just um, from an offensive standpoint with Tremont Mark. I mean, Jamal Shedd did good too. Uh, Jerusalem Walker had a very, very nice block on uh, J1 Roberts. Um, I can't remember what half it is, but I mean, just overall, it's a scrimmage at the end of the day. But I think they they had a really good showcase. Um, and probably the biggest thing for cause of concern was the the couple of bumps that, that Walker like I saw. I was, I was he hit his head hard whenever he fell on the hardwood. Um, J1 Roberts, too. Um, it looked like he landed on his back from my perspective. So hopefully, both of those guys are are good and, and nothing that lingers as they continue their preseason slash training camp heading into um, a much anticipated regular season. Yeah. Uh, except for Ryan Elvin and Malik Wilson, everybody, 11 other guys played at least 15 minutes out of the 16 minutes of the scrimmage. It was just two eight minute halves, basically only two people shot above. Well, no, technically, J.B. Francis one for one. So <laughs> not many folks shot above 50%. Okay. <laughs> Who took more than one shot? Jamal Mark was four for five. Jamal Shed was two for three. That's it. <laughs> Who shot? Who took more than one shot and shot better than 50%. That's it. Ramon Walker, 0 for 6. Marcus Sass, 0 for 5. Emmanuel Sharp, 1 for 6. Jarris Walker, 1 for 9. Mm. All those all those stats right there that I just said, panel, folks tuning in on Folk Talking Sports Twitter account and the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, forget them. Just put them out your mind. Don't worry about it. Don't freak about freak out about it or anything like that. Andy and James and I have seen bits of practice this week. Well, yeah. James, you were there Tuesday, right? Wednesday, Wednesday. So we've seen bits of practice. So we've seen these guys make shots in practice. Okay? So, and shoot threes uh, well in practice. They just didn't make them Saturday at the scrimmage. So don't freak out. Don't panic, as Coach Sampson said to media after the, after the uh, scrimmage. The defense is ahead of the offense. And, you know, one main thing, obviously, Will, everybody, y'all agree with this, and folks tuning in as well. These guys, they know the place. <laughs> they know each other so well, so they, they know what they're going to do. They know, you know, all those things. So the offense is, is behind the defense. Now, Saturday scrimmage is coming up on the 22nd against Texas in the not-so-secret scrimmage will be a better test because it's be a different team, different players. Then on the 29th against Duke, same thing. Different players, different team. Competition will be different. Get a better look at what they can do. Because I've seen Jarris Walker. Jarris Walker Will is like six eight. I think it's with his hair. He might be shorter. <laughs> he had it like me, you know. Yeah. He might be six six five without the with the yeah. you know with yeah. more hair. Um, I've seen him go around the world the three point line. He had he has, for what I can observe, 
to make at least eight out of ten at each station around three point line. Mm-hmm. He's I've seen him knock him down. <laughs> bam, 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 eight in a row. Next station, bam, 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 eight in a row. Next station. So I've seen him. We've seen him make threes in in practice. So he can do it. Just to knock him down Saturday. So don't freak out there. Andy and James and I. We've seen J1 Roberts hit threes in practice. Not as effectively and as frequently as Jarris Walker, but he's improved from three-point range. So he's added to his game also. But Andy and, and James, and Will, from an outside perspective, want to get you on this as well. Okay. I, I think this Houston team, and it's just October, is more talented than any of the previous Coach Samson teams at Houston. It's not yet as tough as those previous Houston teams. James, what would you say to that? No, 100%. I'd agree. Um, You look at when Coach Samson came here and the type of kids he was getting, um, nothing against them. They, they, They fit the culture and program really well and built this thing up. But He's attracted, you know, these higher level talents um, to the program. And so I think just the raw talent overall, for sure, it's probably as good, if not the best it's been um, under Samson. They still, like you said, got to put all the pieces together. There's still a lot of work there. But overall, I mean, you look you look at the guards. I mean, you, you got two vets and uh, Marcus and Jamal and then Tremont had a great freshman season before, you know, the injury last year. And then you got a guy like Ramon Walker who came on really strong. Uh, and then you got some some young guys as well, and then obviously you got Reggie and um, Jaywan uh, at at the forward who are vets, and then Jarris, who's one of the top prospects in the country. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of talent there, and if they can put the pieces together, they'll be really good. And what do you say? To, what do you say to that? No, I absolutely agree. Especially um, to add on to that, just um, when you look at the roster top to bottom with how. Uh, deep there especially specifically at the guard position i mean you just got to start with i mean look at the players they're bringing back and marcus sasser who arguably could have you know kept his name in the draft and and potentially been playing pro um at this point had he done that and then uh tremont mark like we mentioned he was one of the players that looked really good in the scrimmage um having him back after he suffered the injuries last season um the experience they bring um haven't even mentioned jamal shed um, obviously, everyone's excited about Jarris Walker and the potential that he brings. And Samson's done a really good job uh, during the American Athletic Conference media day and, and throughout the, the early portions of availability they've had throughout the, the training camp portion of their season right now to kind of temper expectations. And um, it goes for all the freshmen just in terms of being able to get them to, to get to a point where they can impact winning is the phrase that he said um, a lot. But I, I agree top to bottom that this is a very, very talented team. Um, and it, 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 that toughness factor, I think that's something that, that, um, I agree that they probably still need to, to get higher in in terms of that point to, to be tougher. But I think the thing that they have going for them is that they have a lot of returning players that, that kind of, um, are at a great spot to be able to enforce that among the younger guys. And Will, from an outside perspective, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on what you heard us say? Yeah, for one, what I'm hearing, I mean, it's going to be a fun year for Houston uh, basketball. Coach Sampson, um, 
and, and all you guys from from day one. I've heard nothing but um, good things, you know, mm-hmm. about him from you all. And you know, Jarius Walker, Tremont Mark, and, and, and the like. I think it's going to be a fun season, you know, going forward. And I'll be interested to see what happens um, Saturday in the not so secret in the uh, not so secret scrimmage. I'll hopefully find out something, <laughs> you know, because we won't be able to be there. But mm-hmm. I think James has has a source, Andy has a source, and I have a source. And so we'll see if our sources come through with some info because not seeing it, we were just, we're going to rely on what they tell us. So they could just, you know, have a completely different outlook than we do, but it's still some information and we'll hopefully be able to share some of that on next Sunday's folks talking sports show. In addition to the talent level being higher, the toughness is not yet there. Chase McCarty, 6'6", class of 24, wing, was on his, made his official visit this weekend at Houston. So he was there Friday, Saturday. He's from, where's Andy, Alabama, I think? Yes, sir, Huntsville. Huntsville, Alabama. So 6'6", wing, class 24, on his visit. So more national uh, appeal. For talent, Jojo Tugler was there yesterday as well. He's already verbaled to Houston. He's a class twenty-three kid, six seven. I think I think Jojo's grown <laughs> since he announced his commitment. Um, so yeah, I think he might be six eight now, and he will be a, a Gavi Lewis Award, Gavi Lewis Award top fifty watch list candidate. And then to go further down the pipeline share this with James, because I told Andy yesterday, class of 2025, one of the, according to my man Jim Hicks at RCS Sports, the number one source for boys high school hoops in greater Houston, he has him ranked right now third in the class 25, but he will also be a top 50 Gavi Lewis award finalist. Bryce Jackson was there yesterday from Shadow Creek. And I already said it. I just said it. He is top three in his class right now. I heard some folks yesterday hanging around afterwards said he might be the best player in the class of 25 in Houston when it's all over. And I heard that the current number one, I think Sheldon Miller is his name. So Bryce was that Houston's red and white scrimmage? Houston. Houston, let me put it like this. Will, Andy James. Mm-hmm. You know how fans and media like to say about any program, top-tier program, build a fence around the city and then go from there. Yep. I, from what I heard yesterday, that fence is, is built it's getting higher <laughs> and more and more of the top talent in Houston is considering Houston and may sign with Houston going forward. So I think the pipeline started with Kenny Robinson Jr. years ago, continues with 
Andy knows, James knows, Tremont Mark, Ramon Walker. Those two guys were God be Lewis award winners committed to Houston. They were the best players in Houston. Terrence Arsenal, Beaumont is not Houston, but it's, what do you say? What is it? 90 minutes away. <laughs> He's the best player in the area. Committed to Houston. He's playing for Houston. So you're seeing <laughs> that fifth is being built. And it's even extended out to Beaumont. <laughs> so it's another reason why, another indicator that Coach Kelvin Sampson and the talent continues to upgrade. Now it's just got to get everybody to buy in with the toughness part of it. Which goes to Andy and James. The American Athletic Conference a few days ago announced their results for the preseason poll. Who was the pick to be the to win the conference on the men's side? Cougs. Unanimous, Will. Unanimous. Okay. The only reason Memphis got to vote because Coach Sampson, coaches cannot vote for their own team. So Coach cannot vote, Coach Sampson cannot vote for Houston. So, and I'm not sure you would have anyway, because <laughs> that's the kind of guy he is. But the Cougs got all the first place votes on the men's side, but Will. The AAC women's poll. Guess who I was saw picked? that. I, yeah, so you saw almost who was you. second. Who was picked second? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. The, the the Houston women? Okay, I saw that. Yeah. As you drink from the red cup. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yep. drink from a Rockets cup. Free the, free uh, the, oh, it's the Rockets. Free, right. free swag from the Rockets. You know, media loves free stuff. You know, Andy and James, they've learned that at a young age. You know. <clears throat> but Andy and James, Will, what, I mean, you. What was your thought when you saw it and saw Houston women pick second in the American? Yeah, that was a shock. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, again, I I know what I know from you, three gentlemen. So to see that, I almost called you. I think I was into something. And I saw it. I'm like, I got to call KG about this. But uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, hopefully that. I mean, I mean, you know, I've shared my thoughts on 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 the coach, and um. And not the man, just the coach, just the, mm-hmm. the record, the record, the record, I'll say. So hopefully, you know, this is a uh, opportunity to 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 make to uh, to make make a move in the positive direction. But, uh, now, that what? being said, <laughs> yep. that being said, I am not a fan of preseason polls. Neither. I mean, in my in my in my life as. In college football, preseason polls are are fodder for us to talk about. So that we'll see. So cancel everything I just said. Essentially, James, what was your reaction? Yeah, I was surprised as well. Um, but like Will said, you know, you can't take much stock in preseason polls um, because it's just the best guess. Um, but I think it does put a little extra pressure on the UH women's team, knowing that they were picked second. If they were picked, you know, six or seven, you know, somewhere in the middle, bottom tier, which I think a lot of us expected, then, you know, if they do finish second, you, you see like, oh, we exceeded expectations. But now, you know, they've got these they, they got this target on their back. Like, you know, they're supposed to compete for this championship. So we'll see. Andy? Uh, yeah, I wasn't um, as surprised, and it, it was something um, that that Ron Huey said, um, just in terms of what the the program has been able to do, or, or these polls are based off of what programs, not not Houston specifically, but programs in general, what they've been able to do in the past, 
And when you look at it, I mean, Houston, uh, regular season record, they struggled. They had they were inconsistent through stretches last year. Um, and I correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, they were picked to finish third a season ago. Yes. Um, in the preseason poll. And they finished fifth, correct? Fifth? Yes. They were tied with um, the SMU, I think, for fifth. Um, but they ended up getting to the conference semis again before getting eliminated. Um, and really, the the past few seasons, the biggest school that the two schools that have stood in their way have been UCF and USF uh, from advancing farther in the conference tournament. And now with Central Florida and, and the transition that they've been in, um, that it seems like, and again, based off the preseason, it seems like there might be one school that, at least for the time being, has kind of got to maybe open the road for Houston. So I could see why a lot of coaches around the conference would have them there at two behind South Florida just because of, at least for the last two, three seasons, they've been consistently that third team behind those Florida schools. And um, like James said, it, it puts a lot more pressure to, to honor on you and the staff to not like last season where they had that inconsistency, but being able to not only have expectations, but for perform with them. And there's going to be a, a lot of eyeballs watching them, especially when, when you look at um, a lot of respect that they have around Layla Blair. Um, she was one of only two unanimous votes that are players that were voted unanimously to be on the uh, conference first team. Um, so I, I think it's just more show of, of the coaches and the respect that they have um, where Houston has been able to finish the last few seasons. And, we lost Will. Hopefully, he'll come back in a second. <clears throat> but yeah, I think being picked to finish second raises expectations for the program, for the Houston program. So, guys, if they don't match those expectations, then what? Going to the Big Twelve next year? Then what? What if they? What if they have a reverse of last season? Where they were picked third. Well, well, well actually, another example, they were picked third to finish fifth. They were mm-hmm. picked second this year. What if they finish, what if they finish fifth again? Uh, for the regular season, again, I think that puts, um, I mean, uh, a lot of pressure would be on Ron Huey, especially um, now he's entering his ninth season with the program, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, at this point, if they if they were to underperform, maybe you, you see um, something happen. But, um just being able to hear what a lot of the players have said um, during their, their availabilities, it, it looks like they're really focusing in on being that, that more consistent team. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do with those expectations because, again, they were in a similar position last year, um, weren't able to hold up to that standard. So if, if they were to repeat what they did last season, it would certainly be disappointing, especially um, um, with with the talent they have coming back and, and the expectations, like I said, that they have on them. So, um, if they don't perform, I think that he gets a lot, lot harder uh, for Huey. James, what do you say if they don't match these expectations? It will tell us how much the UH administration cares about uh, some of the, you know, smaller sports like women's basketball, depending on what they do. You know, if they sit back and do nothing, then there's your answer. If they, yeah, we'll just see. Fair enough. And hopefully Will can join us again. We're watching, you're watching Folks Talk of Sports here on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel as well as on Twitter at Folks Talk Sports. There's Will. Come on, Will. All right, because <clears throat> I really want to get his thoughts on this next topic. Will, let's we get him. Let's get my okay. thoughts. The NCAA and college leaders are exploring 
college basketball with a limited summer schedule. Likely two to four games played in August. What are your thoughts on this idea? Because one part of the rationale is the players will already be on campus because they'd be on campus because school is about to start. So break out the, you know, the monotony of, of summer workouts, all those things, and play against a local opponent, you know, somebody in the city, state, locally, not far travel, no expenses like that. Some regional matchups to try to build some interest in college hoops during what is really the off season for college basketball. What are your thoughts on that, James? Do these games count? No. Okay, then I'm fine with that. It, it seems like it'd be like, you know, a fall ball for baseball or softball. You see that a bunch. You know, UH just played yesterday in baseball. You see a bunch of programs do that um, in the offseason. I'm fine with that. I mean, we already see how many people would love to go watch these not-so-secret scrimmages if people were allowed in them. So um, if you can get some local opponents, it's 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 a good um, – it's good for it, it benefits both sides, both the team and the fans. The fans get to see some things. The teams get to see some stuff of their players against other players that they're not going up against every day in practice. So, yeah, I think I, I, I'm for it. Let me say this is from Sports Business Journal. Uh, Michael Smith is the, the author of the article. And this is not mandatory. Schools and players could opt out of these games. And this may not happen next summer, may not be till 2024. But, like, Will, for example, it could be Davidson versus NC State, you know, or Iowa versus Northern Iowa. Matches we don't see a lot during the regular season. Maybe locally, like Houston versus TSU, consistently. You know, something like that, or Rice versus TSU. And this is for men's and women's basketball as well. And one idea I like, I don't like it in the sense of it's, more wear and tear on the, on the student assets, you know, more games. Summertime is really for rest and recovery. But we got teams going overseas, you know, for their international visits, for some team bonding and experience another culture as well. So that's once every four years. So the wear and tear part is a concern a little bit, but I like the idea that Dan Gavitt, the vice president of basketball of the NTA, one of the things he mentions is you could also tie it in as promotion for your football games. So if you, you have, if, if Houston's playing Rice in August, of course, you know, Houston marketing is not, not the greatest example, but during that matchup, fans, fans, reminder that Houston football starts, you know, in a couple of weeks. If you haven't got your tickets yet, we, can, we got ticket booths here around the concourse, blah, 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 blah. You know, be sure you get the tickets for the, the season opener against Texas, whatever, whatever it may be. So that's a possibility of a benefit. And if enough teams do it, enough schools do it, I'm sure some TV stations would decide what opt to show the games, fill that summer, the content, you know, because summer is kind of bland, especially in August, you know. WNBA is be the main sport, pro sport going on. Baseball, yes. Dog days of baseball, even. 
So I see some cons. I've talked to some coaches already. And they're like, yep, don't like it. <laughs> don't like it. Don't like it already. No, don't like it. Don't like the idea. It's too much wear and tear on the players. No, nope, don't like it. Don't like it at all. Nope, nope, nope. But some coaches like it. So, Will, what do you think based on what you've heard so far? I'm a, I'm a coach because I, I don't like it. I don't see the benefit. I mean, two to four games. Said the games do not count. Correct. You lost me right there. So I'm going to put my players at risk in games that don't count. For what? I don't see. I don't see the benefit. I truly don't. And let alone speaking for someone of of the school that I cover, Ohio State. Ohio State football in, in August. Even though it's no, no, that's not going to work to me. My opinion. Andy, what say you? No, I agree with uh, Will. I think from uh, uh, kind of looking at it at both perspectives, from a media standpoint, certainly from from a fan standpoint, people are going <laughs> to, especially, I, I guess, focusing in from a Houston perspective, they'd love uh, any chance they could to have additional basketball content. But I agree with Will, especially from uh, from that coach, coach's standpoint, games that don't matter, um, even if they are exhibition and it's more of the regional stuff where you could you could kind of market that in a specific way depending on on what the matchup is. I don't really see that much of an upside, um, to be quite frank. Just in terms of, uh, sure they they are having you know off season workouts and um, stuff here and there, and then the way from that article, the the Sports Business Journal, it made it seem like they um, were kind of putting it in a lens where it's like, oh, it'll be the payoff to those workouts because the the athletes, the players had to be here regardless. So it could be something that we add at the end there just to kind of be that payoff. Uh, but really, I, I don't see the benefit of it, especially if it's an exhibition game. Um, every four years, a lot of programs can go overseas and do those exhibitions. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't see the benefit from the school specifically outside of uh, potentially building up more more buzz from fans um, and and giving the media something to report on in the middle of August. I don't like it either. Uh, some of the some of the suggestions I could I understand, but I don't like it. But if you guys don't like that, what are your thoughts on the? I think it's inevitable expanding the expansion of the tournaments in basketball, men's, women's basketball, in the NCAA sports that what's, uh, I'm not sure the exact title of the committee saying that they would like 25% of the members of each NCAA sport to be represented in the postseason tournament. So for baseball, softball, basketball, et cetera. So what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on, a possible NCAA basketball tournament featuring 96 teams. If not no, more. <laughs> I mean, that, really. That's something uh, that they asked the American Athletic Conference Commissioner, Mike Oresco. He didn't seem too thrilled about that idea either. Um, and really uh, speaking on it, it's kind of trying to solve a problem that isn't there, in my opinion. I think the field, the way it's structured right now is fine. Um, if you want to expand, if you want to expand, maybe add, if you, cause you have the, the first four out, the first four in, uh, teams, which is kind of like, um, not, you can't really call it a wild card, but it kind of works out that way. Um, when some teams are trying to get into the actual first round of the tournament, 
Um, I guess that's one way you could expand if you wanted to expand that. But going from 68 to 96 or potentially more, that's that's ridiculous in my opinion. And it certainly uh, lessens the, the impact of the regular season. Um, and, of course, at the end of the day, what, what the argument would be is, you know, with March Madness, since it, it is a single-game uh, elimination, it doesn't matter what team it is. Any given time they step on the court, there's a possibility of an upset where um, that's really the, the big marketability of March Madness. But even then, if you continue to extend the f- expand the field, I feel like it just le- lessens it. James, what do you think? Yeah, it takes away value the value of regular season games for sure because you can lose more. If it's 96, you got 28 extra spots. So, uh, you know, you don't have to be as good. Um, and then, the I mean, that's just – that's a long path for a team to get to a championship game. And I feel like it would take away more of these Cinderella stories because – at some point their luck would run out. So maybe instead of getting to, you know, the sweet 16 elite eight, they get to the round of 32 this time under whatever expansion it is. Well, what do you say? Yeah, I'm not a fan because I mean, we have bubble teams now at, at 68. Well, team 69 should have got in team 70 should have got in. So you go to 96 or oh, team 97 should have got in team 98 should have got in team 99. And it, it waters it down, and as the, as the gentleman said, it it devalues the regular season. So, I, I agree, but I think it's inevitable. I mean, I, I don't like saying that, but I think money talks. Even if it's the first, the conference champions get a buy, and the first four become the first thirty-two, and then the winners advance to so it goes goes ninety-six. So thirty-two teams play, and the winners go advance, and then. It, on 64. I mean, whatever it is, you know, 64 teams play the first round. I don't like it. I just don't like it at all. But I think, unfortunately, it's going to happen. If not 96, maybe 72 or, or 76 or whatever. But if it got, the bigger it gets, it works two ways for coaches. It helps some coaches get in the tournament. So, you know, helps them get their bonus. But if you don't get in the tournament, man, you couldn't get a 96 team field. <laughs> I mean, why, why are we paying you all this money? If you couldn't get into a 96 team field. So, yep. so we'll see. So some coaches like it and some don't. I want to talk about this quickly as we wrap it up here in full talk sports. Pac-12, George Klevkoff, commissioner. What are your thoughts on the Pac-12 going to the open market, not reaching an agreement with, Fox or ESPN for the media, media rights deal. What are your thoughts about them going to the open market? Is it a good thing? Will it turn out to be a benefit to the Pac-12 teams? Anybody chime in first? I don't think so. I mean, first of all, Pac-12 is like, what, eight of them now? They're back to the Pac-8, I think. That's the Pac-10. I know, I know. <laughs> you know I know. Yeah. I know. But uh, that was, you know, a little jab. But, um... I mean, if, if you have to go to the open market, that tells me there's not a lot of interest because Fox and ESPN, ESPN is bleeding right now. They need it. So for them, and Fox has the Pac-12 now. So for them not to want to extend, that that tells me something. That tells me something. The uncertainty of what that conference is going to be is, 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 uh, 
is is first and foremost. So I don't know that that's a good thing. James, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Will 100%. I think right now the Pac-12 doesn't have a ton to offer. Um, and if you're not able to reach an agreement with, you know, ESPN and Fox, I mean, you can going to the open market, sure, you probably will get some smaller platforms, but that's not going to be nearly the amount of audience you'd get on a platform like ESPN or Fox. And so, um, and I think the longer it lingers, the less and less suitors will will emerge unless something crazy happens and the Pac-12 adds a bunch of, you know, poaches from the Big 12 or something like that. But like right now, I think their stock is dwindling by the second just with the way the conference is going and um, potentially even more more teams leaving. Andy, what, what are your thoughts? No, yeah, I agree with both Will and, and James. Um, ESPN and Fox, those are the two big networks that you want to get a deal with. Um, the fact that they're going to the open market means that the Pac-12, the very least, is not satisfied with what either of those networks are, are offering or what both of those networks are offering and bringing to the table. So if it's not Fox or ESPN, who really are they going to go out? And speaking from a linear perspective, not even factoring in any of the uh, streaming platforms, but CBS is really the only other big name. Um, if it's not those two, and I just I think it's, it's probably leaning towards a bad direction for the pack. I think it's a major risk. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. I want to get your thoughts on this. What if, and this is a big if, okay? What if Amazon or Apple tosses serious dollars to the Pac-12 for all its sports, okay, everything, for their platform, for the streaming platform, and, I mean, let's, let's say, the, I don't know what the numbers would be, but... 10 teams in the Pac-10, let's say it's 50 million per team. So that's what? 500 million per year. So a six-year deal, $3 billion. What if that happens? You're getting more money, but less eyeballs. Would, Would you do that if you were Oregon? Would you be good with that? Will, James, Andy. I mean, the executives would. They want. They want the money. Um, I don't see why. I don't see why the streaming services would do that. But yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think m- money. Money will move the you know higher ups that have that power. So I think you'd probably see that deal get done. If um, I don't know exactly what ESPN and Fox's offer were, but if it was you know significantly significantly more, like you said um, in your example, then I I assume they'd take it. Will? Yeah, I mean, uh, at some point it has to be about saving face, and if that offer does come to us, and as um, pardon me, as James said, yeah, they, I, I definitely agree with what he said, and, and they would almost have to. Andy, first, uh, kind of like what James said, I don't, I don't see that scenario happening. Um, well, I, don't, I don't either. <laughs> and I'm being realistic, just in, if, if so, in in this scenario, you're counting the Oregon still part of the pack. Honestly, I, I don't think they'd be on board with it um, if it's like a uh, streaming platform exclusive, uh, because of just really how it's gonna isolate a lot of the fan base from being able to watch the games especially when it comes to 
a lot of the supporters of, of universities, a lot of the donors for the universities, um, they tend to be higher up in age. And, and it's funny as it may sound, they, they I know they're not going to be fans of having to only be able to watch games when it comes to streaming platform. Um, and, and that in and of itself, especially for a big program like Oregon, that, that I think they, they care more about having eyeballs and building up the brand of the university uh, than necessarily the, the financial aspect um, to a certain extent. I think that'll be much more valuable for Oregon. I, I don't think they'd be on board with it because, one, I think exposure is probably the, the one of the biggest things for a university, a premier brand like Oregon. And two, again, it's isolating a portion of your fan base. That one, it means that they have to pay to being able to get a different streaming platform to watch the games. And two, they're going to have to go about figuring out how to actually go and, and watch those games. And I think, you know, the 50 million per team, that's high. I think Commissioner Klievkoff is hoping for probably an offer like that. And anything less than that, I think, is is bad. Because now Fox and ESPN and the Pac-12 failing to meet an agreement now during this negotiated window does not mean they can't not return down the line and reach an agreement. I don't see ESPN or Fox upping their offer in a, in a year's time. So I wish the Pac-12... Well, but with the Pac-12 not reaching an agreement with ESPN and Fox, Commissioner of the Big 12, Brett Yormark, said a few days ago that negotiations, discussions between ESPN, with ESPN and Fox are going well for the Big 12, which could mean if there's no Pac-12 for those two networks to pay, that could be a boost in money. For the Big 12. We're not talking about Big 10 money, nowhere near. But what if with no Pac 12, ESPN and Fox, the total media rights deal for the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma is 50 million per team? Is that possible for the Big no. 12? No. No. Not without Texas and Oklahoma. No. So, so what is Brett Yormark doing, Will? So who's the who's the marquee team in that instance? If it's no no Texas, no Oklahoma, who's the marquee team? Don't you say it. Don't you say it. See? Oh my god. Of course. You open the door, I'm gonna walk right on through it. Houston. I know. That's my fault. I I know. With the greatest head coach in football history, Dana Hogerson, leading them through the through the conference. Man, listen. Lightning strike me down real quick, boy. (laughs) Bruh. Listen. No, fifty million per with no marquee team? Hmm. No. You know, and, and it's interesting to me. He did this media barstorm tour in New York. Why is that? Yeah, well, because Rock Nation, he's got contacts in New York. That's why. Yeah, I know. But how did that benefit the Big 12? He's trying to make a national brand. Okay. That's what he's trying to do. I mean, he, he's – see, he's – and I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to work. He wants to make the conference, the Big 12, more hip – change the culture that's kind of a code word okay the big 12 fan base is southern is 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 not rock nation let's put it like that okay so a change in culture i'm kind of curious to see how that's going to work 
How's that? How's that change of culture going to work in Waco, Texas? Yes. So I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to work in the near future. Uh, yes, the younger fan base is okay with it, possibly, but the older alums still are still got the most money. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Andy and James have to give me some of the younger Rock Nation artists who perform at some of these conference championships potentially. But I, I just envision those the older alums are like, who is this? Why are they here? <laughs> what what? I don't want this noise here at my school. What what is this? So <clears throat> we'll see how that all works. He's Commissioner Yormark is talking very bold right now. But reality might slap upside the face. <laughs> Possibly. But Commissioner Yormark will be in Kansas City. This Tuesday for the opening of Big 12 basketball tip-off for the Women's Hoops Media Day. Uh, so he's going to make opening comments there. So I'm looking forward to that because I'm going to try to ask him a question. I'm not sure if I'm going to ask him about the culture because I might get in trouble <laughs> directly. You know, because I'm like, mm, mm. okay, but he'll be there Tuesday, not Wednesday, for women on Tuesday, men on Wednesday. So culture... Could be a cultural clash, I think, is inevitable with Commissioner Yomark and the older alums inside the Big 12. Gentlemen, Tony M., thank you, Wise Citizens, Sean, everybody tuning in for your comments. We're going to wrap it up. I think I got everything I want to touch on. Is there anything uh, that I forgot to discuss, James, Andy, Will? Uh, I'll throw it out just for me, for my purposes. I was able to uh, cover the Browns' loss today. Oh, they lost. Okay, um, see? Yeah. Yeah. But more importantly than that, they lost, but uh, Bill Belichick won his 324th game and uh, tied for second all-time in NFL history with George Hallis. So, got a chance to witness a little bit of history today. And, and you know, with, with all that we do, I mean, we it's wash, rinse, repeat, game, post-game. But for this one, it was interesting because it was always a bucket list mind, bucket list item of mine to, to cover Bill Belichick and to go to his post game was one, but to realize once I got there, uh, he was on the verge of history. Just made it that, that much better. So not the fanboy or anything like that. I still covered it objectively, but right. to be in that building, to, to be in that building to uh, witness history was, uh, was pretty, pretty substantial. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, <clears throat> NBA season starts this week. Who the Cavs have for the opener? They open on the road uh, Wednesday night at Toronto. That would be a good matchup. Andy and James, Rockets start the season on the road Wednesday as well against the Hawks. Prediction, Will, first you, will the Cavs win in Toronto? I think so. I think they will. Okay. Andy and James, will the Rockets win in Atlanta? Yes, I, know, I, I could see I could see that happening with the, all the moving pieces that the Hawks have had. They're still going to have to try to adjust with Trey Young, Murray backcourt. Um, the Rockets look good in the preseason. I could see them doing a, a season opener, home or road opener upset in Atlanta. And James, you you agree? They'll start off with a win. They'll they'll catch some eyes, and then they'll go on a little losing streak. After or that. I guarantee they will not go one in sixteen like they did last season. <laughs> Big prediction. Okay. All right. For for all three of you, 
because all three of y'all picking the team you cover, your local, your local team, to win Wednesday, right? Yep. Any guarantees? I'll do it. Why not? All right, Will Gibson guarantees. Guarantees. The Cavs will win in Toronto. James, Andy, you want to guarantee Rockets winning in Atlanta? I do not because they still have to prove it. <clears throat> okay. okay, all right, fair enough. All right. Thank you, Tony M., very much. Put this up there for, for the guy to see. We appreciate that, that positive comment, that positive feedback. Thank you, Thank Tony. You. Thank you, Tony. Well, you got the floor first, sir. How can folks find you? Oh, this is for Will. Oh, well, that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome because they gave it to you. They're giving it to you too. They're giving it to you. They really are. So two and four, two and four with uh, Baltimore coming up next week. So, yeah. Will, how can folks find you on social media? I appreciate it. You can find me at Will Gibson 7 on uh, Twitter and the Graham, Andy, and uh, <laughs> WTTSports.com. James Mueller, the man who's, who's battling oh, injury. How can folks find you, sir? Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at JDM. <clears throat> and then check out the dailycougar.com for all my uh, coverage of UH athletics. And Andy Yanez, how can folks find you? They can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five on a Twitter. Most importantly, please be sure to, if you haven't done so already, to go subscribe to the YouTube account at Pod Jamma. Uh, like you see it on the screen, that's B-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on YouTube. Uh, we are over 34% of our goal, the road to a thousand. Um, and now we are... It, I lost. I think we're 22. Yeah, we're 22 days away until the men's basketball season um, tips off. Uh, we'll be three weeks from Monday, so it's going to be exciting. Even tomorrow, from a men's basketball perspective, is going to be exciting because the first Associated Press poll, the preseason poll, will come out. And if Houston is number three or higher in the preseason poll, it will be the highest Houston has appeared in a preseason poll since the 1983-84 season. The highest they've been in an AP poll at all since their appearance in the Final Four um, a year and a half ago, since April 6, 2021. So a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz for the program. And one final plug, be sure to follow us on Instagram, the gram, like Will said, and, and TikTok on Let's Rage Cougs. Um, we've seen a lot more engagement with the TikTok recently, so I think I think I'm trying to figure that out. Um, kind of going with with Brett Yarmark, I'm trying to figure out how to get a culture shift with the Hue the Houston fan base. So uh, we're open for business as always, as well as we have six more post game Let's Rage Coup shows for the football season at minimum six games, and any potential bowl game or no it's six. championship. Uh, <laughs> It's sick. Well, the threshold for a bowl game, the threshold for a bowl game, so at minimum six games and anything beyond that as well, and obviously the men's basketball season as well, as we'll as we'll put up um, the six. But when it comes to uh, yeah, the men's basketball season as well. We'll be doing another Rich Goose post game show. So we're looking for advertisers. We have a primary sponsor for the first five games of the men's basketball season, and we're still looking to fill in spots. You don't have to be a primary, secondary, tertiary sponsor. You could run an ad or anything like that. So we're trying to get in contact because I anticipate we've been able to to build up a very decent loyal audience for the first six games of the football season, which mm-hmm. has been encouraging. And hopefully that ticks up once the men's basketball season um tips off and what's anticipated to be a very, very 
exciting season. So um, if you are interested in doing business, we're open for business. I'm ripping off a Brett Yormark there, but as you see it down in the ticker, be sure to email letsragecoogs at gmail.com. We do anything from commercial spots, live reads. You can sponsor a segment, sponsor a very active comment uh, section after games, and they have been very active after the football games uh, for various reasons. And, of course, as always, um, just be sure to check us out. Well done, Andy. I'm proud of your work and how you're grinding, man. Um, I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. See me there on Twitter at VHR Review. I forgot to mention this uh, when we talked about the red and white scrimmage. For Houston and a red and white scrimmage, there were probably, there were more than a thousand folks there yesterday. There were times in the 80s or the 90s, there may have been only or less than a thousand folks for a basketball game inside Hawthorne Pavilion. So to see a good turnout for a scrimmage yesterday did this old man's heart very good. So there are fans who are excited about men's hoops at University of Houston. So hopefully they will we'll have a successful season. We're going to cover it here at on Folks Talking Sports, on the Houston Round Bar Review, Daily Cougar, Les Rage Cougs, Apostle Majama. So thank you very much for your interest in the Cougs. Support us, and we will do our best to continue covering, providing you good coverage of your local teams. Uh, these skills yeah. <laughs> he caught me now we have the Giannis camera the Andy camera yeah. now yeah. I know why Jeff Conrad hates the Conrad <laughs> cam but I appreciate it Derek uh appreciate you saying a shout out and uh, feel free to do it during the regular season too maybe get a better maybe get a better photo I gotta start posing well you, you can't pose because you want to know when to take the picture it's, I it's just a... always got to be on alert. I always got to pull. Well, you know, okay. Well, you work on that. This because it's going to be a secret. It's going to be that, <laughs> that Yannis cam. So it's going to be a secret because you never know who's going to be in charge of taking that picture that day. That is true. I'm just But saying. we appreciate it. Uh, in all seriousness, I appreciate uh, the support and the shout out. So you can catch us. Thank you very much for tuning in for, for to watch Folks Talking Sports here on the YouTube channel for, of Houston Round Bar View. We have a Folks Talking Sports playlist on the Houston Round Bar View. YouTube channel, as well as on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter, right here. There is that right there at Folks Talk Sports on Twitter. Subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the Houston Round Ball Review channel for updates on our shows. Close it out. The audio version of this show will be on available on iTunes and Apple and Spotify in roughly an hour or so after this show ends. Thank you very much once again to. Keanu Dawes from Stratford High School and recent commitment to Rice men's basketball. That's another part of the growth of FTS going forward. We're going to try to get more high school kids to be guests on the show to discuss their college choices. So thank you to him. So we're going to close it up like that. To Andy, James, and Will, we good for next Sunday? Same time? Should be. All right, then we're going to see if Will's guarantee about the Cavs winning in Toronto was accurate. Um, if not, no big deal. But as always, gentlemen, thank you for your time and insight. Until next Sunday, take care to everyone. Peace.